we're because we're talking about a edge lord humor we're gonna get a lot into all of the isms uh you know racism queerphobia misogyny a lot of very tacky jokes about sensitive issues and we're gonna try to talk about them in a respectful manner but also we grew up during this era so we apologize Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry Kaiser. I am the managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at Writer Vry. And with me today are my fellow staff members, Meru and Chiaki. You want to go first, Chiaki? Sure. Okay. I'm sorry. I was like, uh. <laughs> um. I kind of threw you into that. Hi, I'm Tiaki Hirai, one of the editors for AnaFem. You can find me at at Tiaki747 or at Animated Empress on Twitter. I'm a fucking bitch on both. <laughs> and I'm your high-class demon commander, Meru. You can find me on Twitter at Pixelated Lenses or at Pixelated Rhapsody. And I am also an editor here at Anime Feminist and an editor in so many places. Please give me a break. God, they're so tired. I'm so, they're so tired. I'm so tired. I'm gonna... We're all tired. I'm so tired. Uh, uh, if you couldn't guess from reading the title of this episode or the general vibe so far, we are looking back in honor of the announcement that season two is finally happening 12 years later at Studio Gynax's Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt. Uh, I know what you are thinking out there in the audience. All right, is this just a waste of time? Because obviously they didn't like it. Because look at it. This is a uh, this is a feminist anime website. Well, uh, part of the reason we wanted to look at it actually is that both Jackie and Meru were big big fans of this back in the day, and so we thought it would be useful to look at you know, why so many people do have a lot of affection for this series, what its legacy is, its many, many problems, yes, and kind of what we do with that going forward into a sequel made in the year of our Lord, 2023, probably. And we figured that would be pretty... I don't know where I was going with that thought. Chiaki, you were going to say. I mean, you know, I think both of us or all three of us we're we're pre we we're not it we're long time internet people right we've mm, seen decided we've seen things look I've, i was mm-hmm. on tumblr for most of college i've, I've been through <laughs> i've been through mm-hmm. like i feel like this what this come this show comes from a time that we can firmly say is of its time does it excuse us for liking it i mean probably not um it's it's pretty bad i i I haven't i hadn't actually watched the show in a good eight or nine years um and revisiting it i just kind of felt like wow it's it's a whole lot of oof (laughs) 
I will say in y'all's defense, I volunteered to be the person for this retrospective who, you know, I watched the first episode back when it was coming out, uh, bounced off it real, real hard. And then marathoned the entire series in about a day and a half before this recording. And there were as many as like <laughs> 10 of the 26 shorts that I quite enjoyed. So okay, yeah, that's, that's almost 50%. Almost. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, just just to be fair here, I, I did watch this show. I, I, I marathoned the show as well, because the relative short turnaround in getting this retrospective up and the announcement for season two, you know, we, we all had to really just watch this in about a week. Um, but I watched it over about twice. I watched it once dubbed, which is the first time I've seen it dubbed, by the way. I watched it um, natively back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. Don't ask me how. Um, but uh, I thought, well, you did at one point, you said watch it on Nico Nico, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Way back in the day, 2010, when it was simulcasting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I I know I watched it back in the day, but I'm just gonna be real. I'm pretty sure I watched it on probably like Go Go Anime or Kiss Anime. Um Yeah, by the way, 2010 Nico didn't have legal streaming, just yeah. so we're clear. The sub versus dub question is definitely one I want to come back around to, but before we do, I want to set the scene on the production of the series itself before we get to kind of the era around it. Uh, so Panty and Stocking is classically, or in a modern sense, I think, associated with Studio Trigger. Uh, they're the ones who will be making the second season. But it was originally made by Studio Gainax circa 2010. And then those Gainax employees, similar to Withger and Lagan, were the ones who went go on to form the core of Studio Trigger. Uh, so in 2010, allegedly, according to a interview in in the uh, 2010 November issue of uh, Young Ace, which also ran the Panty and Stocking manga, the director uh, Imaishi Hiroyuki was saying that after Goron Lagan the staff was kind of blowing off steam from the stress of that production and saying, you know, here's all the weird, gross, crass things that we would want to do. And, you know, if we're going to do a series that's about tasteless jokes, we should go all in on it. And allegedly that was kind of the core for Panty and Stocking. So in essence, this series is to Goran Lagan as Fulikuli was to Evangelion back in the day. I also found uh, some folks alleging, because obviously this series takes an incredible amount of inspiration from and pays homage to Western work um, in a way that I think is very interesting and you don't see in such a concentrated fashion in a lot of other series. Mm. Uh, I saw some allegations that drawn together in particular, which if you've forgotten that show or didn't know it, good for you. <laughs> uh, wasn't was an inspiration for the team uh, but take that with an enormous shaker of salt because the main blog post 
that alleged that everybody links to uh, in regards to this information no longer exists and wasn't archived by way back uh, from a time when the Gynax crew came to visit Pixar, which that really did happen. There's other corroborating pictures, but oh, yeah. I don't know if during that trip they did in fact see drawn together and decided we must make a series like this. Uh, I'll I'll just chime in real quick. I mean, the Gynax crew does come to California quite often. Um, they're a regular mainstay at Fanime in San Jose, or at least they used to be. Um, you know, like their entire staff came one year and had a whole party. <laughs> um, pretty amazing, actually. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, them visiting Pixar, them watching or getting to know american shows uh mid 2000s 2006 through 2010 ish that checks out that definitely checks out um also i would i mean drawn together i feel could have inspired it but i think there's a lot more going for it because Mm -hmm. japan also has american cartoons running a lot of the times uh you know dubbed over there and so South Park isn't totally a, you know, alien show to them. Um, Ren, and, Ren and Stimpy, I think, has a stronger lineage to this show than um, Drawn Together, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know they've seen South Park because there is at least one cut in there that is deliberately done <laughs> in the style during the beach episode. Yes. And of course, there's, you know, Chuck is an obvious reference to Gurr. Right. And right. the particularly thick line art, I've always wondered if it might be a direct reference to uh, Hi Hi Puffy Amiyumi. Be- they do, you know, until you just said that, I never had really considered the fact that they do kind of have that very similar look. Or alternatively, Powerpuff Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely also Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, because yeah, I know that that's popular in japan enough that it got its own anime version i just wondered about puffy amiyumi because you know that was a case of some pop idol or you know uh rock stars who then got a western animated Mm. series and that was a weird piece of animation history (laughs) it sure was yeah but yes so they the series is made and comes out over the course of 2010 and then not long after, in August 2011, the main crew, uh, Imaishi, y'all probably know not just for Goran Logan, but for going on to make Kill a Kill and later Promare, uh, they form Studio Trigger uh, in August of 2011. Y'all, you both mentioned, you know, you watched this series uh, through very extremely legal means. Mm-hmm. What was it that drew you to it back in the day when it was airing? I, I know for me, it was very specifically the crassness. I don't think I had ever, because I should say growing up, like the Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park were things that were very strongly prohibited in my home. I think the Simpsons, because Bart maybe talks to an adult uh, like they're equals and, you know, adults really don't like that. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed that media growing up. And I remember, you know, this comes out when I am a freshman in college into my into like my spring semester of um, my first year of school. And so like the crassness was really appealing because I had never been allowed to speak that way. And I had never heard specifically like cis women or feminine 
people speak that way at all. And so it was really, really kind of like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, it's like rebellious. And also, I really like the character designs. I'm not even gonna lie, I've cosplayed a stocking before, and it's a cute design. Cute. Yeah, definitely the um, character design is one thing that really attracted me. But uh, just to put it into context for me, 2010, I'm a senior in college. Uh, I'm at the height of being a 4chan cam whore. Uh, and so this was extremely my culture at the time. Um, very, very crass, very taboo, mm-hmm. um, breaking tradition from what people consider anime. And I thought it was like, yeah, this is the shit. This is this makes me extremely smart for watching it. Um, I was a shit lord back then, by the way. I still am, but I was even more so. I do remember the dialogue around this series. And part of the reason that I think... I then got frustrated with the show when I really didn't like that first episode was that if you don't like panty and stalking, you don't really like animation. Mm. You just want to look at hot anime girls Mm. where, and like by 2010, I had well and truly gotten over my middle school annoying phase of, oh, Western cartoons are so shallow compared to the depth of anime from Japan. (laughs) Which I think a lot of anime fans go through, but, and so I was just really frustrated. They're like, no, I can see why this is very technically cool, but the shit, though. Oh, right. This was my feminine praxis in college. I was like, this show is the, like, metric for every anime. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. This was it for me. This was peak. This was the best anime was ever going to get. It just... Even, you know, watching it now, even the episodes that I truly fucking hated, my God, this show looks good. It's good. <laughs> it really is pretty. I was going to say the music video. That is the best part of the oh, show. That, that is, entire no, music video. That is, that is worth the show. Rocks. It slaps. The, you know what? Even if you don't want to watch this show and you get through this and you're like, I have no yeah. desire to interact with this ever. Go watch the music video. It's really quite good. I uh, so just good. don't watch just don't watch the rest of that episode because you'll oh. probably hate it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, just to skip uh-huh. to the last half. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, or find, uh-huh. find the music video separately. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But so you both watched it subbed when it came out. Yes. I watched it raw, but yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. In Japanese, <laughs> I should say more correctly. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is another thing that I think marks this show as, wow, it really has been a long time. Simulcasting wasn't really a thing when Panty and Stocking came out. Even though the show debuted in 2010, it didn't legally make its way over to America until 2012 when it was released by Funimation. Simulcasting mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing, I think, until I was in grad school. And I got into grad school in 14. And that's when I really remember, like, a, maybe a year before that, it had started to kind of creep in there was some before that because i watched the simulcast of tiger and bunny but it wasn't exactly a simulcast it was aired on a week delay Mm. so there was some by mid 2011 okay but it was in its extremely infant stages Mm -hmm. and a lot of weird series like panty and stocking were not getting that treatment yeah yeah 2010 i mean um crunchyroll had just gone legit i think or yeah. was about to they, they um, were about to yeah so 
around that time, the only simulcast that was really happening was fan subbers getting stuff up the next day after something aired. Mm. Uh, like it was a race. God, what then. a wild west we used to live in. Uh-huh. <laughs> truly, truly. And that leads me to the panty and stocking dub which this time around it is how i watched it uh that was a little gift to me that if i watched it in english i would be able to multitask a little bit mm. <laughs> because a day and a half that is how long it took me to watch this series uh, the dub is sort of famous for being for coming from a certain era of funimation dub Ooh, is what i want yeah <laughs> where they uh, <laughs> Automation has always been known to play kind of fast and loose with their localization, which in some cases I think really works for shows. I think the Yu Yu Hakusho dub is a really good example mm-hmm. of kind of loose and a lot more jokey in certain scenes, but it flows and it's really charming. And so I, I am not somebody who thinks that a dub necessarily has to be super strict if a looser thing helps get across the vibe a little bit better. Um, but Funimation hit a time in the late 2000s and to early mid 2010s where they decided that they were just going to kind of jazz up their material. Well, there's a lot of jazz in this series. (laughs) It's it's free jazz, really. (laughs) And now to put it in the context of when this happened, um, you know, 2012, this goes all the way back. I think you could maybe argue, I mean, gag dubs have been a thing for forever. This isn't quite a gag dub, but I think the era of the gag dub is important to Panty and Stocking's existence. I think you can argue it goes all the way back to Evangelion Redeath, which is a gag dub of of End of Ava. Um, that would show it at anime cons around 2000. Also a fun, also a fanime uh, tradition, by the way, it's, it's, it's a local production from day and it's Gendo. It's Gendo. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, listen, I respect that. It was of its era. Yes. Uh, of course the one, the gag dub people are perhaps most famously, uh, still kind of fond about probably because they haven't rewatched it recently is the infamous 2005 ADV dub of ghost stories, which took um, a pretty unremarkable fine children's story about, you know, cute little kid ghost hunters and put in a lot of uh, edgy jokes, uh, Jewish jokes, a lot of Jewish jokes. And it's not good. A lot it's of racist good. jokes in general. It's not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Stories is always interesting to me because from my understanding, it actually was like, did fairly fine in Japan as the story it actually is. And over here... Like, again, context for Ghost (laughs) Stories. It's it's a major franchise in Japan for children uh, like elementary school age to enjoy Ghost Stories. It scared the crap out of me back in my day when I was an elementary school kid. But yeah, like yeah, it, it was it, the thing to watch. It, but if you would, you would not know that based on the dub. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I feel no. Yes, and then Funimation looked at the cult success of ADV's Ghost Stories dub, uh, and then they got a hold of Cran Shinchan, which ran on Adult Swim in 2006, despite being a children's show. And you may wonder, how did that happen? 
Chiaki, would you like to explain? So Shin-chan is also, again, a beloved children's anime. And because American execs figured children's anime wouldn't exactly sell uh, as well because they already have a Pokemon over here. Well, and it's also like just a little bit crass, yeah, right? It's With, like, just the- a little bit crass in the Japanese sense of the way of like, oh yeah, there's there's a child who is running around pantsless and, you know, mooning people. It's very Bart <laughs> Simpson. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, overall, it's a very wholesome show. Um, and so, you know, I guess Funimation decided, all right, we're going to make him... We're going to make do this as the as as like the Japan's South Park. That's how we're going to phrase, you know, it's market this. Oh, no. Uh, and, you know, every everything became a sex joke. I mean, there were a bunch of sex jokes in Shin-chan already, but it became like everyone swears. Everything is a sex joke. There is no wholesome family bonding. Everyone is just a sex addict kind of thing. There was a uh, there was a lot of additions about uh, one character being molested, as I recall. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think I have the I think I have the DVD somewhere because I got it for review. I was pretty mad about it. Uh, so after Shinchan, the other I think really major example, the other only other really big one that I can think of is the Hitalia dub, which I oh. did own physical copies of because I am not free of sin. <laughs> oh God! Remarkably, I never watched Hitalia. I, I can't it. Y'all, I was knee deep in Hitalia fandom, and it's high five, high five. I can't say it's my biggest shame because I'm sure there's something else, but like Hitalia fandom was wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I at the in the earliest days, I think you could make an argument before the anime came out that uh, you could learn that the fandom wa- included some neat takeoffs of using basically the characters to do cool little comics about mm. history but then mostly it was weird fashy apology apologia i mean <laughs> using and, cute anime voice yeah and then like it became like cosplayers going to like i don't know jewish holocaust heritage sites to like get that sweet cosplay picture for the gram Ooh. and it just like it's 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 not good <laughs> it's not no. good no so, but even then, the jokes of Hitalia the subversion are pretty softball. That like job. besides the the inherent offensiveness to the com- to the concept, the yeah. actual series is pretty soft, almost like slice of life stuff. Yeah. Especially yeah. after those first couple arcs where it moved away from talking about World War II and just started being about like silly cultural differences. Yeah. It's or like weird items it's really the dub that elevates it and i don't think i mean that positively Mm -hmm. because the dub decided to just do a lot of racism just do a lot of racism uh you may be noticing a theme (laughs) theme is racism (laughs) at chiaki now you were on 4chan do you want to kind of illustrate for our listeners and readers of transcript at home what the general kind of vibe of the internet was at this time? America, fuck yeah. Crying Glitter Eagle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in keeping with the kind of era of the internet, yeah, the there was a lot more 
we're pretending we're ironic while we just kind of do the upsetting thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not really racist. I'm just, I'm just, I just play a racist on, on the internet. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's worth saying like, this was Barack Obama's America. And we, I think a lot of people in from like, Oh, eight to 12 thought racism was just done. It had been eradicated you could be edgy and ironic about it, right? Because, like, I'm for sure I was maybe someone who also was like, uh, it's not so bad. And Especially coming out of the bad. Bush years. Especially yeah. coming out of the Bush years. Because Bush years, it was like, oh, we're going to get a third term Bush. We're going to yeah. be in perpetual war we, forever. And then suddenly we have Obama and we're like, oh, right. great. Everything we, is fixed. The pendulum had swung so far. And I, I think it needs to be said, too, that I think culturally this was before, like, the mass murdering of innocent black people had really become a thing that would not become really a big talking point until like Trayvon Martin. So like anti-black kind of, you know, anti-black kind of like racism wasn't really something that I think a lot of people thought about. And I would even dare say black people didn't necessarily think about like with Trayvon Martin, like, you know, this, 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 a lot of this, these series predate that kind of kicking off what would eventually become like the black lives matter movement and things that would become like very polarizing and so i think when you put that in context of these dubs like racism wasn't really something anyone was thinking about because for all intents and purposes social media wasn't where it is now and we didn't have these quite overwhelming incidents happening yeah like uh what gg didn't start until what 2013 2014 yeah 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 i think at this time uh there were a lot of people uh, saying there are no girls on the internet, unironically. Like, it was still very much assumed that if you were on the internet, you were a cis, what you were a cishet white man. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all came out as, uh, as girls. Well, sorry, <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't a white man. I was an Asian. I too, know. I too am not a white man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am the closest to a white man on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is a terrifying thought. Oh my god. But yeah, so like at the time that Panty and Stocking was made, you had very common jokes. And I think for a lot of marginalized people, there was kind of the impetus to lean into showing that you were cool and not one of those offended people. And you could take a joke and you could give the joke harder. So you could talk about the like surprise sex which it was a colloquial term for rape and uh you know make jokes about pedo bear and yeah (laughs) Yeah. it was a whole time battle damage (laughs) take a damage oh no have not thought about pedo bear in forever and so now that i've spent almost half an hour too long uh, discussing the background of panty and stocking Let's get into what's wrong with Panty and Stocking, and then I promise at the end we will talk about what we still like about it. So hang in there at home, folks, because we're going to get to that point. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Chris Sabat first, right? Yes, obviously we're going to talk about Chris Sabat first. (laughs) Like, we're going to talk about that. Um, Because, like, I only found out in 2020 that on air on air <laughs> yeah with you with you two on akadama drive i only found out that chris sabat is a a white dude and b that garnerveld is not voiced by a black man which i don't i don't know if that's good or bad i still really can't tell 
how I feel. <laughs> I'm going to go with bad. <laughs> yeah, I ultimately think bad. I think Garterbelt's a bad character. So I'm like, did we save a black person from that? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Do you do you want to break down for the for the folks at home the stereotype elements of this character? I mean, we got to start off with the lips. The lips. <laughs> we got to start with the lips. Oh my yeah. god, Garterbelt looks like little black Sambo if he were an adult, and it's very bad, and it's a bad caricature. And before anyone says it, yes. Japan can be blamed for it. They also like minstrelacy too. Commodore Perry brought it to Japan and people were like, ah, this is great. <laughs> and it's not great. And blackface still does happen. It's not good. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it's all supposed to be stylized, but this is ostensibly a dark black, like a dark brown, taller, hulking black man with an afro. He looks like Shaft if Shaft were a Catholic priest who also had a predilection towards sexual abuse of teenage boys. It's bad. It's not good. It's very bad. I I don't know what to say other than, oof, it's bad. And then you have Chris Sabat voicing him with a black scent. Yeah. It's bad. Like- yeah. I should mention this is also uh, this is before uh, Funimation caught a lot of deserved heat when they dubbed Michiko and Hachin, a dub that I mostly think is really good, but they uh, cast Monica Real to play the Afro Latina lead, Aww. and her family is from Spain. Oh, no. So, yeah, and that was their big, like, shield of she's Latina. Oh, no. from Spain. oh my God. Oh, Funimation. Oh, did, I should did not we- be watching. Did we just reveal another truth to you, Meru? Yes, I didn't know. Y'all have got to stop telling me when white people do stuff that's non-white. Like, what next? Am I going to find out Laura Bailey's done a black role? Please don't tell me that. I'm going to look it up. I don't think I have to tell you that. Please I think we're okay. T- please don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Garterbelt is, he is black, but like, there's a lot going on there that's just like, not great the whole black scent there's a lot of use of black um of like african-american vernacular in the show anyway they use the word ghetto Mm. a lot which i'm not i don't think black people really like that i'm gonna speak for all black people we don't really like that (laughs) um i mean it's this show uses a black scent heavier than aquafina used to like it Mm. it just really is borrowing from a culture that it doesn't really have a right to borrow from it's very uncomfortable and like I didn't realize it until watching it with my 2022 eyes. And I was like, oh, fraught. I'll definitely say a lot of that is on Funimation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, because the coding is not really there in Japanese. The the, the visual coding is there. The visual coding is there. But the, the original, like, did not do it as heavily as Funimation, who just, like, whole hog. Mm Mm-hmm leans in it's very uncomfortable also the show hates fat people oh this show hates fat people i mm. got so excited that there's an uh, one of these shorts is boarded and directed by sayo yamamoto and then i remembered oh right the one downside of my favorite anime director's work is just the rampant fat phobia that tends to 
pop up in that. And then this short is nothing but that one thing I don't like about my favorite anime director. She did the uh, the Little Red Riding Hood episode early on. This yeah. this show wants you to know that if you're fat, you're a punchline, or you should be bulimic. And I believe at one point it says that. Like at one point, stalking is like, oh, I wish I could vomit. Where's my bulimia on demand or something? And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like sis, what? <laughs> like the the whole point of that ghost was, yeah, the this is the this is the angry spirit of a lady who got too fat, essentially. Yeah, like. Well, and the dub at least is very uh, deliberately putting like fat positive dialogue in her mouth too. Like it's not just that she's fat; it's that she's talking about the liberation of fat bodies. Oh yeah. But then it gets wrecked by the fact that like <laughs> someone makes a comment about like um, this is for like something to the extent of like this is for the girls who are fat and think that you should like them for their personality. And I was just like, oh god. <laughs> Oh, that's not nice. That's not nice yeah. at all. <laughs> like you can be fat, and that's okay. As I, speaking as a fat person, <laughs> yeah, I think that the dub at least is trying to speak out both sides of its mouth of like rolling around to this and then throwing in like two lines that are about how actually this is shitty. Yeah, yeah. that they don't that don't stick. I did watch one episode of this subbed. Uh, it was the movie episode, and. They got, this is me defending, I guess defending the dub is the wrong thing. Uh, the reason I am happy that I watched the dub is I, I tried out one subbed. They get up on stage, right? And mm. they're talking to, you know, Panty is, is talking to the announcer, uh, something or other for not crediting her for her sex tape work. <laughs> uh, and she straight up calls him the F word. Oh, uh, whereas in the dub... The queer phobia is still present, but she, but like it's, uh, she calls him schlong breath or something. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, the dub is leaning into being offensive as hell, but it's going so far that at least I can distance myself from it. Whereas genuinely reading the subtitles was a little bit of a slap of a slap in the face. Mm. Mm. I will say there are one or two lines that I did genuinely laugh at. Like, uh, there's. There's an episode where they're fighting. I think it might be the Sayo Yamamoto episode where it opens with stalking, talking about a guy she'd banged and she didn't, she wasn't really in love with him, but you know, she, she'd want to have his abortion, <laughs> which yeah. to put that in context for the folks at home, that is famously a line that they were forced to cut from fight club for being too edgy. And the line that they were allowed to replace it with was i haven't been fucked like that since grade school and i've always found that a really interesting example of what is considered permissible in mm -hmm. terms of jokes about women's bodies and so that line for the dub i wholeheartedly and unironically tip my hat to mm. uh but yeah so the, the the show also does use queer people as a punchline not yeah. unusually for the era yeah at the same time you know we we have to go back to garter belt right yeah because yeah we sure his do. whole thing is uh about the fact that he might be a predatory catholic priest it, i feel like we could take the mic i mean like i'm, I'm asking I'm, I'm saying it in the sense of he was placed in to reference the oh, mm -hmm. predatory uh nature of catholic priests rather than yeah. garter belt being a 
pedophile in general. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not good. I yeah, and it's it's a shame. I, because, yeah. it's a shame because like I do think there's genuinely funny parts of Garter Belt's entire story. Like the the part in episode. 10 where it shows like his trajectory and you realize he was at like the flood and on Noah's Ark <laughs> and all these different pivotal events is kind of it's very funny mm-hmm. because like he just inexplicably shows up at everything um I yeah I really I actually quite liked that episode although uh as you p- were pointing out in chat uh this, uh this they decided to make his backstory before he died a reference to Scarface and merrily traipsed their way into accidentally referencing Cointel Pro. I was just like I was like oh no Garnabelle Ronald Reagan got you too. Like it's just like no. It was <laughs> but like the whole the backstory where he wanders the earth and that whole montage, I thought that was it's, really great actually. It's really yeah. well done and like him trying to do- the fact that he pops up in the garden of Eden and eats the apple and that's why like <laughs> everything happens is very funny. Um and then it swings back to like a hard pivot to him in brief. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Please go back to where Gardabelt's like wandering the earth and sees the dinosaurs get destroyed. Go back to that. Go back to that. That was funny. I don't want to mm-hmm. see him with this teenage boy and the implications that you're trying to present. Go back to the Garden of Eden. That was funny. Let Garterbelt hit on some adult men. Let's just yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think it's his dedication to God that I guess made him gay, didn't it? Because, you know, back in his origin story, he was mostly with women, it seemed. I guess you could bend over backwards in a way this show doesn't deserve and call it compet. I mean, like, alternatively, either die het or live long enough to see yourself become bi. That's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe Garter Belt likes everyone. I mean, he is (laughs) supposed to be the hilariously kinky character, I guess. (laughs) Looking good in stockings? I mean, he does look good. Like he yeah. does, he, he looked good. I was like, yeah. That's I mean, I think I think um, stocking is the kinky one, though. To be yeah, fair. that's true. Yeah. yeah, I was really interested to hear you say, Maru, that you were really into sort of just the general the image of women being vulgar and how that was kind of an unheard of thing. Mm. Uh, I think because I think the series hates women. Watching it from a modern perspective, I would say that you're not wrong (laughs) like it really was a revelation this time seeing that like wow this show that like was and and i would say is still ultimately really important to me the show kind of really hates women and like cis female sexuality like it plays the joke of like (laughs) panty is so slutty she wants to sleep with a thousand guys but it also it, it routinely punishes both of them for having sexual interest. And mm-hmm. I was just like, mm, I don't think this show is as feminist as I thought. <laughs> it was really interesting to watch the sex jokes about Panty, honestly, because I have an immense... So I, I am a Yoko Taro apologist, and one of the things that I am very fond of is Drakengard 3, which at least 80% of the dialogue in that game, no exaggeration, is people talking crassly about sex. Nobody ever has sex. Nobody's doing sexy fan service, really, outside of a couple shots and Zero's very revealing outfit. But, like, everybody talks about sex all the time in this very odd and deliberately unsexy way. And 
Zero isn't shamed for the fact that she's fucking all of her dude party members. And it was really interesting to watch to watch Panty and Stocking with Drakengard in the back of my mind. Now, because, yeah, everything about Panty having a lot of sex is, you know, even in episodes where she's not trying to have sex, there's like at least six lines about how she's a she, she's a slut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think part of the 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 misconception of like sex positivity that people might take from this show initially and for me um, was that, you know, back in 2010s was just kind of going for that sexual liberation of everyone should be fucking, uh, which I think has generally evolved to be you can have sex if you want to um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. And so, like, again, I think this is another case of of its time, but also, you know, a lot of people watching the show probably weren't really thinking as deeply in, you know, really asking, okay, so Panty and Stalking, the characters themselves don't care about having sex. Well, Stalking, maybe Slut Shames a little bit more, but at least Panty, you know, does not give a fuck about it. Uh and that's what makes her cool. Overlooking the fact that the show itself, overall, the mm. writing, all of that is um, playing, you know, is generally uh, misogynistic. Yeah, mm. and it's it's something that, like, in 2010, because I'll, I'll fully admit, like, in 2010, I had not yet ever had sex. I had never dated. So, like, this show was kind of like... <laughs> this doesn't sound like nerdy of me it was kind of my intro to like how women hypothetically could talk about sex um which (laughs) it's a curious thing to have is like your kind of introduction to like conversations about like not being slut shamed and things and so like when you really look at the broader story it really it really does say a lot about sex and it's that sex is bad if you have too much of it, but it's okay. If you're an angel, you can get that virginity back. Oh my God. (laughs) One more. Like I, I do like, I do want to give you credit though. Like tiny baby college, you that, you know, the broader scope of the series is writing aside. This is a series that is talking, that is talking about, ways that women could enjoy sex and like position and like having different positions or the fact that like women can have unsatisfying sex and like granted all of this is part of the course on sex in the city but you know tiny college anime students anime fans aren't watching i was good for you girl (laughs) but so yeah uh the reverging it sucks so bad and i do hate it it in hindsight it is a rough episode um, wherein I, cause I had forgotten that that happened. I think I've remembered <laughs> everything around that. And then there was just like a blank spot and it happened. And I was like, she gets her virginity back. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like <laughs> it's so much. It's just so much. I don't even know what to say about it other than like, huh? I'm so I was so annoyed because the logic of it doesn't make any good goddamn sense. And the listeners at home are saying, Rye, are you expecting 
a show like Panty and Stocking to have, you know, good world building. And I say, I expect it to follow its own internal logic because, okay, so it, it never gives a reason as to why Panty gets her virginity back. Like, did heaven give it back to her? Is she just, why is she a virgin again now? And also it says that, you know, there's so many jokes about how Heaven is angry that Panty has a lot of sex, but then when she's a virgin again, her angel powers do not work. Yeah. Like, her, the, to, her angelic nature is deeply connected to the fact that Panty is promiscuous and, like, she willingly has a lot of sex, right? Like, that's what's powering her, and assumably something equal is what's powering stalking. Maybe yeah. Stalking's love of BDSM is powering her, which, like, more power to you. So well, mm, I think it's you know, the vanity. Last, but... Yeah. Mm. And, and like, it's weird because Patty does get, like, the weird virginity MacGuffin. <laughs> like, and that is, like, ultimately what is necessary for kind of the, <laughs> the climax of the series. <laughs> There's climax. a lot of climaxes in the series. It's a, a lot. I... <laughs> I felt so betrayed because I spent the entire series side-eyeing Brief as, like, the slightly creepy, nebbish Xander, Joss Whedon stand-in type character. (laughs) And (laughs) who ostensibly is, like, so in love with this strong woman, but then, you know, what he really needs to feel manly is for her, is not just to help her and save her back, which is a normal romance reciprocal writing thing, but specifically for her to be disempowered and weak and helpless so that he can feel good and manly next to her. But I then really liked the episode at the party where they did the Boz Lerman fish tank shot. And I thought it was sweet. It's a really and, sweet scene. And I kind of had like nice, I was like, by the time they got to the, you know, the start of the awkward cabin sex, I was like, yeah, you know what? Fine. You've earned this from me show. And then they pulled this horse shit where Panty has to get her virginity back because it's only special for our audience stand-in character if she's never had anything in that badge before. <laughs> Fuck you. Haven't got a grip on her. Like, just... It really... That's so <laughs> insulting. It's, it really... Mm. I mean, like, it really does kind of... It hit differently in 2010. And 2022, I was like, dang... That's not right. Y'all did my yeah. girl dirty. The the end the final episodes are just Cause then I mean mm. like the the final episodes are very uh very phallic because like mm-hmm. <laughs> it ranges from like a penis is the key to hell <laughs> to like defeat the giant dick demon. <laughs> just it's just so much. And my girl loses her re loses her unvirginity at the same time. That's just not that's just not equitable. Also, like, the assumption that when you have a hymen, the the sex will be, like, it is common to have painful sex your first time, but, like, that's probably because you're not doing enough prep. It's not the hymen itself. It's the lube. Like, you got it, like... You suck at sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, this weird myth around hymens as if there's some magical thing. Like, y'all, I hate to tell you, most people with a vagina... Hymen is gone by the time that they might actually be having like consensual sex, right? Like it, it, it's 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 skin. <laughs> it's not like 
the pearly gates. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just skin. It's just a membrane. <laughs> like, and and this this anime treats it like it's some sort of like I don't know, like it's gold encrusted. <laughs> it makes me very mad. <laughs> it's a lesser thing on the way but i was really pissed off by the bachelor ghost episode because it's not that i could find we're doing a ghost reference and i could get on with the fact that it's like this guy is the ghost of you know all the the sad otaku losers out there like you our audience question mark i guess who you know are are fat and maybe they smell a little funny because puberty is hell but no he's like specifically the reason nobody likes this guy is he's a dick he's an abusive dick who treats stalking like shit until she saves him with the power of her love and i hate i mean this ghost just negs her the entire time and it's the worst I hated that episode possibly more than the dick thing, although it's a close call. I uh, both are bad. Yeah, both are pretty bad. Both are pretty bad. I wouldn't call it. I, I wouldn't call these the the worst episodes in no, the batch. No, the mucus no. one is the worst. The mucus one is the worst of all the episodes. Mm, okay, that one's pretty bad too. The mucus I, I one. Know. The mucus one, especially in the dub, because it's got Vic lasagna in it. It's real bad. Oh, okay, it does. That, yeah, that do does it. add some stank on it. That'll do it. Okay, now, now, now the the snot one is ranked mm-hmm. below it's bad. It's the bad. Uh, ghost one and it's the reboot. I guess reversioning is a little bit worse than it's not. Uh, but yeah. 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 Are right, any last any last complaints we want to talk about before, as promised, we get back around to A, things we like, and then B, talking about how the hell you make a second season of this in 2022. <laughs> uh mine's like a mixed thing, so I mean, if anyone has more harder things to talk about. Carry on. Oh, okay. Uh, One thing I will say, and this is more of a technical issue, um, is going back to the dub versus sub or the original audio for the show. uh, I want to point out that the Japanese um, audio track uses, they got voice actors who are very, very good um, references or, you know, people to have. Uh, One thing like episode seven for the Transformers parody, they got um, Tessio Genda, Optimus Prime's voice actor, to do uh, Masculinus or uh, Coctimus Prime. <laughs> uh, and That's also, Minjatron, me, um, you know, Femitron's voice actor is Seizo Kato, Megatron's um, voice actor. So the, U- the American dub didn't get anyone who was involved with transformers to do it i'm i mean i guess it was just the thing where they used everyone in house oh yeah uh another thing you know when they got tom cruise on that game show to play the lawyer Mm. uh the japanese voice actor is tomoyuki morikawa who is tom cruise's voice in dubs in japan oh my god (laughs) That's, so that's quite good. There, there are some really choice voice acting choices in the original Japanese, and it's hilarious. So it is, it is layered. It is not just a reference to Magnolia. It is Magnolia, and then also we have Japanese Tom Cruise dub. That's quite good. <laughs> that's really funny. So, I mean, that that is one thing I will 
that, that's the one last slap I will give the dub for not stepping up and having Tom Cruise come on cast. God, could you imagine though? <laughs> could you imagine Scientology having to like promote oh, this? Oh, you're right. <laughs> having to promote this series. <laughs> All right. As promised, we do have to talk about things we still like, even re- even watching and or rewatching it from a modern perspective. And those things are scanty and knee socks because I do love Queens. a Team Rocket. Queens! <laughs> Honestly, the best point of watching the show is just scanty and knee socks. They're so good. They're so good. Would you They're say tri- they would you say they rule? I would. Their transformation is so good. I Want You is such a banger of a song. It's so good. Oh my god. It's so good. It's really good. And I just, I love, I love they're, they're just blatantly in certain episodes proto Satsuki Kirian, and I'm fine with that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. They're so much fun. Uh, so good. They just apparently incestuous. A random episode decided to just throw in for some reason. Fine, whatever. That certainly was the time that that was happening. Also, the episodes that they're in are, I think, the show at its strongest. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe putting aside the first one that has kind of the casual fat phobia sprinkled in and a lot of you know, under uh, fascistic undertones to their uniforms Ooh, and so yeah. on. That armband don't hit right in 2022. Uh-huh. But like once they're just sort of the Team Rocket villains of the week, I think that's the show at its strongest because it's weird and gross and, and it's in a kind of silly way as opposed to in a way that feels a little more hateful like mm. I think the worst episodes do. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna also throw in Corset because I find him really interesting as a villain, and I really like his design. He 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 has like no presence whatsoever in the show until the very end. And yeah. I wish I wish he came out a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm fascinated. Like, please bring my boy back for season two. <laughs> <laughs> bring him back. I really like. I I really and I like his theme a lot. Corset's theme is really good. You know, you know what's one thing though. Like, I I have the soundtrack for mm. this okay. show. It was one of the first soundtracks that I like spent my own money dollars on because it was so good. It is so good. Teddy Lloyd makes this slap. Yeah, Ooh. like they need to get Teddy Lloyd back for season yeah. two, or else yeah. the show falls apart. Like, why are we even here? Uh, but. I am going, I, I, this is a grudge. This is a grudge for 12 years running. <laughs> I want the epilogue track from, uh, Gar- that's also Garter Belt's theme, mm. uh, from the epilogue of High School Nudicle and also like during the interlude. Such a good song. Yeah. That is the one song I want that is not on the OST. Teddy Lloyd. My guy, my bro. Release it. Five minute this cut. Is, this Minimum. is like the. This is like the Wu-Tang Clan album. (laughs) (laughs) Like, release it already. Who has it? Oh my god, like, that song slaps. That's actually one of the stronger episodes, too. I will say, like, Mm -hmm. as that underwear is falling, like, snow (laughs) upon Daten City. I was like, you know what? I really like this. I really like this. Beautiful song. 
great table setting. Love it. It's great. It's funny. I also, I thought, you know, you know, I'm realizing that my favorite episodes were kind of the ones that tended to focus on secondary characters, less mm-hmm. on panty mm-hmm. and stalking. Mm-hmm. Chuck to the future is fucking great. <laughs> it's just, it's just film homages for 12 minutes and a, it's my shit true it was okay. really good you, you appreciate that for that yeah that's I, true i love that for you like it's 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 a tom and jerry cartoon and then it's doing and then there's a fucking dr manhattan parody and then it's doing eraser head and like yes yes show this is what i want you to do is just weird experimental animation homaging things that you like i will watch this happily I love this that. is why i liked gal and dino i love that for you fair fair <laughs> I'm glad you like that one because the ending. <laughs> I was the ending. The ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's upsetting, but you know, <laughs> famously, the ending of Eraserhead is upsetting, and I guess we're just going to replicate that trauma. <laughs> that is a solid one. I'm also going to swing back with like the D City Rock music video. It's just really that's the peak of this show. That's, it really is. It's so good. Deborah Zier has a beautiful voice in that is like singing as Panny. The song slaps. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's got like a K-On reference at one point, I think. It's great. I thought no, it's... see, I wasn't sure if it was K-On or if it was uh, a reference to the God Knows scene it's... from Haruhi Suzumiya. It's probably more God Knows. Probably more God Knows, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like I really appreciate that because you know, even back in 2010, when I was watching it, I was literally just Googling like, okay, who is, which music video is this ripping off of like one after another? Because there's so many and it's, it's such so, a it's beautiful so piece of work. Nor a lot of, there is a gift in this show that every time it does a reference to something, it feels loving and as opposed to cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that does take talent. Although my head did spin all the way around when it was a particularly gross episode. And then all of a sudden here is a Cagliostro reference, the most wholesome uh, adventure film of all time. This show really likes to take you through like the five stages of grieving an anime (laughs) of just like, you go back and forth between like really cool references to like, what did I just watch? (laughs) I will say, I I know. uh, And we talked about this off air and I know Chiaki, very legit you did not care for it uh vomiting point the 11 minute now we're a satoshi Kone anime (laughs) that was made for me (laughs) that was made for me we're a satoshi Kone anime where all of a sudden panty and stocky show up at the end that's absurd that's the kind of absurdity i can get behind inexplicable and they show up in the original show's art style Mm -hmm. it's the best it's so good I did, way, I did not the... like mm-hmm. <clears throat> I did not like Vomiting Point when I first watched it. I really liked it this time. Okay. No, I mean like I accept it. I accept it. Um also the animation or the director for that ep- episode um mini episode is uh Osamu uh Kobayashi who unfortunately passed away last year. So Aww. but um Sad. seems like he liked doing weird things overall. Yeah. I that episode I think is the um like the Homer's enemy episode of this series where all of a sudden it which is famously the episode with Frank Grimes uh basically a normal dude stumbles into the Simpsons and 
uh, tries to point out how absurd it is that Homer has this job until finally it kills him. Uh, and it's sort of infamously polarizing as being maybe too dark compared to the rest of the series. And I feel like Vomiting Point is that for Panty and Stocking. Yeah, it, it, it comes because what it comes on the heels of I can't remember what episode precedes it of the the, the booger episode. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, when you compare the kind of vibe, it does go from like weird gross out humor to like, oh, all the characters in this show might need some therapy. <laughs> like it gets really dark really quick. But I, I like that. I like that it kind of yo-yos that and then you're just like back to a regular episode. Mm-hmm. I Watching episodes like that, I was like, you know. I do have to tip my hat to this show in some respects for the absolute the door to absolute weirdness that it really kicked open in a way that I think Fooly Cooly was respected but didn't necessarily have mm. the wider lineage that Panty and Stocking did. Yeah. Uh, where stuff that I really love now that's weird and experimental, like Galandino or Pop Team Epic, really exists because Panty and Stocking just kind of went out and did whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah i mean um just just to denote japanese fan reactions to this show uh it was literally called a shit anime and this was probably one of the first cases where people called it lovingly a shit anime a so anime um yeah panty and stocking walk so pop team epic could run but also you know so that panty stocking could later fly in 2023 i mean it really what? it really is that domino's <laughs> meme it really is that do- like that the small one is panty and stocking with garter belt and the big one is panty and stocking with garter belt like <laughs> <laughs> it really just is that so, all right so what do they do like we're we've only got a few minutes left but like what do like are they gonna redesign garter belt Here- are they gonna here's the occam's razor it's going to be in the same vein as the show was originally and i think people are going to have to go into it knowing that a lot of the jokes now i don't know i don't want to say that for the dub right because we have no clue what that's going to be like but i think the main content is going to be what it is going to be in 2023 yeah and like that's a bit bitter it's it's bittersweet in a way because like i would love for the show to grow out of some of its bad elements but i also think there is an argument to be made that then it becomes a very different show and it's not (sighs) i think that there has to be space for anime that are doing something crass and offensive and wrong and are being unabashed about that i think there has to be a space to have the conversation about that but also there kind of has to be an understanding of like this is probably gonna be what it's gonna be it's gonna be the sum of its parts and that's not gonna change and it hurts a little because i'm like "Mm, i really wish it would i i guess i just i want to hold it to the sander of something like you know i'm a big fan of it's always sunny in philadelphia Mm. which the first season of that is uh rough yeah. But they've really blossomed in terms of writing a show about horrible characters mm-hmm. in a way that has really matured in its understanding of how to write that joke yeah. and who to aim the joke at. And I want that for Panty and Stocking, but also I've watched a lot of Imaishi anime yeah. and I'm not sure he has that level of skill. I 
I think that Panny and Stocking is kind of going to be like how I felt about rewatching Parks and Rec in 2020, which is that you want to say this is a show that gets better, but ultimately it's a show that just like kind of still hates fat people by the end, right? Like, Mm. I think the jokes that exist in Panty and Stocking in 2010 might be different in 2020. I'm fully expect uh, in 2023, I fully expect them to reference the pandemic in this new production too. Um, Mm. I think that the kind of crassness is going to be a little different flavor, but I think it's unfortunately for better or for worse, it's going to probably stay the course. Um, Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Right. That sucks a little because like, I do think you need nostalgia to a great degree to make the original series work. That's why I ultimately still like it is I have a lot of nostalgia, but if I, I think if I didn't, how do you feel, Vry? (laughs) How do you feel? (laughs) I feel like I did this for work. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. That Um, that tracks. tracks. No, but I mean, I was serious. Those, those, nine or ten episodes that i liked i i really was quite impressed with oh yeah yeah and like i am glad i watched those and now i feel duty bound to watch season two just because of that fucking cliffhanger although if season two doesn't open up with immediately with brief getting the last piece of panty back together and it's like all right we're going from here i will flip a table because i do not want her to be literally put in the fridge for half of a series uh, because brief is not somebody I want to follow as the protagonist. No. Oh, that sucks. My call is my call is nothing matters. Like nothing mattered in the first thirteen episodes. They're gonna just pick up where like nothing happened in the first episode of the second season. That's my that's my sh- yeah. uh, called shot. Um, and I, I I want to be hopeful that the writing becomes a little bit more updated and able to kind of you know finesse itself into the 20 Mm. uh well 2020 2020s um i'm not exactly confident yeah uh but hopefully i i just i just hope that you know there's been some growth i'd like this series to prove me wrong about what i expect from a season two i would really like that i would really like that Please don't let them, please let the series go on pretending that it has no idea what trans people are because oh, it can't. Please. Yeah. It simply cannot. I was, I already almost had a heart attack when I saw the name uh, of the Transformers parody episode and then it was just about robot sex jokes. You know what? I don't need that stress again. Yeah. All I really want is like more, another music video, more scanty and knee socks. I, I feel like they're probably going to do like high school nudical too. Cause like high school mm. musical is kind of like a weird meme now. Maybe, maybe they'll do that. Um, and like, yeah, no transphobia. Don't add that mm. in. Don't add that in. We're suffering enough. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Boy, are we. And uh, also it, now that uh, stalking is a demon, maybe she, uh, uh, maybe she and one of the, uh, the scanty and or Nisok could do a kiss. Look, Nisok, I, like I ship them so hard. <laughs> yo 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 yo! send me your fan art yeah 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 good taste <laughs> good taste <laughs> yeah i i also hope that this updates a lot of the you know references the homages because cartooning in on the u.s side has you know 
increasingly also made homages to anime mm. as well, right? So I want to see kind of that interplay of like, what if they made a gumball reference? That would be pretty cool. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. Right. I think that would be a good yes. fit. Honestly, yeah, that might get me through quite a few episodes is looking for the new homages because mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite parts of watching this is just being is seeing what they were watching and interested in. That would be really interesting because a lot has happened in the 12 years since this first came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see what new homages could there be? Ooh. And surely an Adventure Time or Steven Universe one. Uh, surely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, all right. Any any last stray thoughts before we wrap this up for the day? I think that this is worth watching if you're curious about like this very specific part of global internet culture, especially through like a North American kind of lens with the dub. But I also think like, mm, don't go out of your way to like re up your Funimation account. <laughs> for this probably not nope. remember it's it's on crunchyroll oh, it's, on, it's on crunchyroll yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah 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 just at me on twitter and i will tell you the nine or ten episodes i liked and you can just watch this and you can at me on twitter to also so i can tell you which episodes i liked which are probably the other episodes compared to <laughs> I was gonna say you can at me on Twitter for like my recommendation of what Teddy Lloyd music you should listen to after watching this series. That too. There you go. That yes. too. Yes. I will. I will. I will show. You, I will send you a, a screenshot of uh, Scanty Knee Socks and a YouTube link to uh, some music. The good stuff. <laughs> and this Anna fam has been. An object lesson in how you can lock, like something a lot and still talk critically about the aspects of it that are harmful or upsetting. And even, we hope you have enjoyed our skit. And even have fun doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You had fun, Bri? You know what? I did. Okay, like, good. <laughs> I mean, again, my partner might come and find y'all while you're sleeping uh, because she very much did have to suffer through some of this while I was watching oh, it in the I'm living so room. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And vocally resented it, which is fair. <laughs> but no, I had a good time. And I am glad to have seen this as a historical object. Because that's that's the kind of weirdo that I am. And you know what? If season two turns out to suck, we'll always have more Pop Team Epic. That is true. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, AnaFam. If you liked what you heard, you can always find more from us by going to AnimeFeminist.com or finding the podcast on SoundCloud or your podcatcher of choice. If you really liked what you heard, you can go to our Patreon, where even a dollar a month really helps us to continue paying our contributors and our staff. And we really do appreciate the help. And we are hoping to find some new patrons because you know, we want to be able to pay our contributors more. That is something that we want to be able to do to honor people's hard works. And, you know, because life is hard and we want to be able to pay people more money. Mm. We also have a store at animefeminist.com slash store. I'd like to get some cool merch for the progressive geek on the go. You can find us on social media on Tumblr at Anime Feminist and on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And we also have Mastodon uh, at Anime Feminist, if you are on that website instead of Twitter. 
All Mr. right. Co-host. <laughs> you know, why not? I already update five different social media things every time we breathe. So thank you so much for joining us, Anna Fam. And in conclusion, repent, repent motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> why did I make the gun with my hands? <laughs> <laughs>